everyone, welcome to the Shot Clock Scribbles podcast. Today is Wednesday, January 24th. We'll be exploring the pulse of the basketball world, focusing on today's hot topics circulating around the league. Today is also my birthday, so this is a birthday pod. Yes, I wouldn't be wanting to do anything else except to be right here with you. And I appreciate you guys tuning into this special edition with the Shot Clock Scribbles. Before we get started here, I'd like to give a quick shout out to Bella Brew Cafe. They have two locations, one in Natomas and the other in Fair Oaks. So if you're thinking about having brunch with the boys or the girls, this should be your go-to spot. They also have a really good lunch and dinner and have a great ambiance. So make sure to stop into Bella Brew Cafe. They're also known for their artisan breads and their bakery. So before you leave, make sure to take a look at the glass case. And on top of that case is the bread. So make sure to take a peek. The great thing about Bella Brew and Liz, the owner over there and the staff, is they use local resources in their food. What does this actually mean? They work with local farmers and producers to give you the best product possible. So visit bellabrewcafe.com to place an order or for more information. All right. So everybody, welcome to another exciting episode of Shot Clock Scribbles. This is your go-to podcast for all things NBA. My name is Tendai, and I'm thrilled to have you join me today as we dive headfirst into the hottest topics circulating the basketball world. In today's episode, we'll be breaking down the thrilling matchup between the Sacramento Kings and the Atlanta Hawks that took place on Monday night. I was there, so I have my quick insights on that game and where the Kings stand at the moment. But that's not all. We're also going to take a trip down memory lane. I'll be sharing my personal experiences, recounting my favorite NBA games that I've ever been to. So the energy, atmosphere, and the unforgettable moments that made it truly special, plus We'll rewind the clock to reminisce about my very first NBA game, a journey that sparked a lifelong love for the game. All right, hot topics. Let's start off with the news that just came out last evening. Adrian Griffin, Bucks head coach, has been let go by the team and they quickly hired Doc Rivers as their coach here. And... These guys have been 30 and 13 lately, so they're not playing the worst of basketball. They are sitting in the second position. I just thought it's way too early to be firing your coach. It's not even the all-star break just yet. I think it's way too early to let him go. You didn't give him a chance to show you what he can do in the postseason. And Damian Lillard reportedly had a hard time adjusting to Milwaukee's offensive scheme. And that's per the athletic I have a quote here, quote, along the way, league sources say Lillard has spent much of this season struggling with the way the Bucks function on the offensive end. While he had remained patient with coaches and teammates, there was an inevitable pressure on Griffin from the organization to make the most of Lillard's talent in the kind of way that validates the choice to part ways with Drew Holiday. Grayson Allen and three first round picks in order to get them. So honestly, I think this is just a move that front office and the owners decided to make on impulse buy. You know, sometimes you're at the store and you're just like, do I really need this? Maybe I don't. And I feel like this is just an impulse decision. I don't think it's a great decision to let him go. 
very early on in the season here. And something that really stands out is Terry Stotts, the assistant coach at the beginning of the season, resigned before the season even started. So that definitely got me a little iry of like, okay, what's next to come? Adrian Griffin played in the NBA. For those that don't know, he has a podcast that he recorded with Woj. I highly suggest listening to it. He spoke a lot about his past. And look, Griffin has been looking for a head coaching job for like 10 plus years. And I just think that this wasn't going to end up well. He's going to be a first time head coach. The Bucks are one of the best teams in the NBA. This was before they even got Lillard at that time and still had Drew Holiday. And I just thought that he was going into this with his back against the wall, that it was inevitable that it was going to happen. And I just think that they let him go way too early. Honestly, it's bullshit that they're letting him go this early in the season. But it's a business. They got to do what they got to do. The big thing about the Bucks is they have not been playing good defense. I think the owners and the general manager over there just want to cover their ass because they traded a lot to get Damian Lillard there. So right now they're sitting in the second spot, only trailing Boston. The big thing about the Bucks is they have not been great on defense. In fact, they sit in the 21st spot as far as their defensive rating. So they need to pick it up if they want to get further into the playoffs this season. So that's my two cents about this report that just came out the other day. We're going to switch gears now to Monday night. Oh my goodness. So Monday night, we had a lot of high-scoring games and a buzzer beater by KD, of course. Who else? But there's a couple of players that stand out that scored a lot of points during this evening. So let's go ahead and go through that. So the big one is JoJo. Joel Embiid had 70 points, 18 rebounds, 5 assists. Cat also had a big monster game for the Timberwolves. They end up losing 125 to 128 against the Hornets. But he did have 62 points, 8 rebounds, and he made 10 threes. Cat is one of the best three-point shooters for a big man, and he's definitely said that in the past. I think he thinks he's the best ever to be making the three-point ball. Uh, for a big man so great numbers for him that night but they end up losing that game KD finishes this game off on Monday night with 43 points 6 rebounds 8 assists Jason Tatum 39 points 11 rebounds 5 assists against the Dallas Mavericks Wemby had 33 points 7 rebounds 2 blocks Luka 33 points 18 rebounds and 13 assists I did watch some of those highlights during that game. There were a lot of good moments. That Luka and Jalen Brown matchup was very exciting to watch. Uh, Those guys are some of the best to do it in the game. Giannis had 31 points, 17 rebounds, and 10 assists. So he has a triple dub there uh, for his efforts. Speaking of which, too, Giannis has a documentary he just dropped. Giannis, this is a free promo for you. I got you. But uh, he has a podcast called Ugo, and it's on YouTube right now, sponsored by WhatsApp, I believe. It, it's about 30 minutes, goes into him going to Nigeria for the very first time, having that homecoming story. Uh, I really thought it was amazing to watch. Being, being from Africa myself, it really reminds me of being home. I know the excitement that there is and how it's so much different from the rest of the world. So I highly suggest watching that.
Okay, so let's have our focus in on Joel Embiid. He has been on a tear and he's playing very good basketball. So we're going to break down some things on JoJo here. So JoJo has been playing at an MVP level. Honestly, he is my MVP because he's just been balling out. Let's look at his numbers in a second here, but he's doing it very efficiently as well. He dominates the first and third quarters, and usually Tyrese Maxey is more aggressive in the second and fourth. So if you ever watch the 76ers games, that's usually how it goes as far as how those guys go about their quarters there. So he also gets to the line a lot. In fact, JoJo gets to the line a little over 12 times per game. He makes almost 11 of those or 88.7 is what he's shooting from the free throw line. And in the top 20, he's the only center. The other one being Bam Adebayo, who averages a little bit over seven free throws a game. So pretty pretty amazing numbers from JoJo. He's going to get to the line. He loves that elbow area. I have a short chart here that... I'll be sharing with you guys and giving you guys a little bit more insight in where he really likes the ball. But this season, he's played 32 games. I know he missed a couple of games this season, but he's still eligible for the MVP. He's playing almost 34 minutes per game. He's averaging 36.1 points a game. He's leading the league in that. And he's having 11.6 rebounds, assists, 5.9. And he's shooting very good. From the field, 53.9% from three, he's hitting 36.3%, and his free throws again 88.7%. So, JoJo been balling out this season. He really likes the ball in that painted area around the arc. He gets a, he gets the line a lot, and he gets to the cup quite a lot as well. And he's gonna be aggressive. He's gonna make the other teams foul him. That's that's what he's gonna do, and he's gonna punish your big man. And have all your big guys basically in foul trouble. So looking at his shot chart right now, he really likes the ball at that elbow. I swear if he gets the ball at that elbow, that's dangerous. He's probably going to be just a walking bucket. It's like a layup for him right now. So he's just been playing lights out. We're going to move on and speak about the next topic here. In big news that just recently happened, Terry Rozier gets traded to the Miami Heat. So the Hornets send Scary Terry to South Beach for a 2027 first round pick and Kyle Lowry. So I think this is a good choice for the Heat to move Kyle off the books. As we all know, he's been injury riddled ever since he got there. Butler and Hero have missed several games this season. So you add another player like Terry who can get you a bucket at any time. And let's look at his numbers real quick. He's averaging 23.2 points per game, 6.6 assists, and almost four rebounds per game. So I think that he's going to really help that Miami Heat, especially getting buckets whenever players are missing or just even having him in the rotation. He can definitely get his buckets as well as Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero. Those guys can all shoot the ball. So that's a good move for the Heat. This was a better choice than going for DeJounte Murray. All right, so now we're going to switch over to the Sacramento Kings and Atlanta Hawks matchup. But first, before we continue, quick shout-out to Bella Brew Cafe. They have two locations, one in Natomas and the other in the Fair Oaks area. So if you're thinking about having some brunch 
with the boys or the girls, this should be your go-to spot. Also, they have a really good lunch and dinner and they have a great ambiance. They're also known for their artisan breads, so make sure to take a look in addition to their bakery before you leave. The great thing about Bella Brew and Liz, the staff over there, they, is they use local resources. And what does this actually mean? They work with local farmers and producers to give you guys the best products. So visit bellabrewcafe.com to place an order or for more information. Alrighty, so now we're going to switch our attention to the Sacramento Kings and Atlanta Hawks matchup on Monday night. And this was an exciting game to watch towards the very end. The Kings were looking to stop their four-game losing streak on Monday. And they did that against a team that honestly they should be beating on paper, especially with Trey Young not even in the lineup. So big moment in the game here is when Atlanta center dunked on Trey Lyles. Javel had a flush of his own on the other end to cancel this one out, but this was a turning point in the game as I really felt that the crowd was really into it. Honestly, first, second quarters, they weren't really into it like, like crazy. Of course, they were winning for a good chunk of the game, but I just felt like this was a moment in the game that basically got people out of their seats and got them amazed. I had my hands at the side of my face too. So that was a very turning moment in this game. I think it really gave the Kings momentum moving forward. Fox was able to hit a couple of jumpers towards late in the game, which we'll be talking about his situation right now at the very end of this insight here with the Kings. But they gave up a lot of points in the paint, a lot of dunks. Mike Brown has said they need to get better on this because teams have a field day in the paint. So that's something I keep saying and advocating is the Kings need a valuable rim protector. And that's not a disrespect to JaVale or Alex Len, but you just need an upgrade in that position right now. Especially if you want to keep up with people in the West who are winning games left and right. I mean, you beat the Thunder twice this season at home and they are the number one team in the NBA in the West right now. So you need to upgrade at that center position. And then this happened quickly here, Monte. So that's what I think about that. Also, Malik Monk is playing very good basketball. He has the ball in his hands quite a lot lately. The, the ball is not in Fox's hands as much. But with Malik, honestly, when I watch his game, sometimes he's just forgetful and he just throws the ball away a lot sometimes but in this game he only had one turnover which is pretty good in his standard post game he did mention that this isn't something new to him to have the ball in his hand and he's been doing this for most of his career and he feels totally comfortable with making some plays with the rock here so Mike Brown trusts Malik with the ball to make the good uh, to make the good play him and Sabonis one-two punch they always play very good basketball together Another thing, too, that I felt was kind of funny was HB here, Harrison Barnes, was tweeting at halftime that he had 19 points and four rebounds. So he's definitely hearing the noise from all the fans that is coming his way. And honestly, I was one of those that said, hey, you need to get him off the books. And I, I'm still saying they need to get off that contract with HB. But, you know, when these players get in the trade blocks, they start performing like crazy so 
HB led the way for the Kings with 32 points, which we'll be diving into stats in just a moment here. But he had a very good game to his standards here. All right, let's switch over to De'Aaron Fox. So Fox hasn't been playing that great lately. He hasn't been aggressive even in his standards. James Ham, one of the insiders, said the other morning that he won't go into what is happening with Fox's situation, but it should all come out later down the road. So as some people saw and were making a big deal out of it, they saw that Fox wasn't following the Kings on his Instagram which I think is old. I don't think he was ever following the Kings on Instagram. And honestly, do you follow your place of work on social media? I mean, I just think that sometimes people blow that out of proportion. But Fox's situation, I honestly think that he's just been going through personal stuff lately and he hasn't been aggressive and not 100% focused on basketball which is fine. That's the way that I look at it. I know people always want these guys to be on their best game all the time. He's not going to give you 30 points every single game. He's not going to be aggressive every single game. These guys are human beings too. And so fans, I just want you guys to have some empathy for these guys because just because they make a lot of money and Fox is a max player, let's just be honest here. Like these guys go through stuff. Just just because they make a lot of money doesn't mean that they have a perfect life and it's so much better than ours. I think the city has embraced him and superstars like this don't always wear a king's uniform. So he recently broke his media silence lately. He gave very short and concise answers to reporters before the game and he wasn't made available for the media after the game. So you can kind of read between the lines here obviously the way that i look at it is he's going through some personal issues and that's why he hasn't been playing great as of late so i just feel like we need to kind of give him space let him let him do his thing and he'll get back to the same player that he was before i honestly think that too he might be beating himself up for that play in phoenix when he fouled kd and they ended up losing that game. But it is what it is. I was also thinking and talking to somebody recently that maybe it was because of Mike Brown and what he said, holding the players accountable. Domas has been doing interviews, though. So I don't think that's a thing of the players being held accountable, especially after the blowout losses that they had. But let's just kind of continue to monitor this situation. All right, let's talk about... The box score here for the Kings side. Harrison Barnes had a really aggressive game. He finishes off with 32 points. He was very efficient too. 50% from the field and 50% from the three and made all of his free throws 8 for 8 So that's a pretty damn good game from HB. Keegan Murray wasn't really shooting it lights out. Finishes off with 13 points in 32 minutes. DeMontis a bonus. Domas here. The Kings have been getting better at their free throws and I'm happy about that. He went 6-for-6 six six from the free throw line, 40% from the field, and he has another double-double. Kevin Herter, 8 points. Fox only had 12 points in almost 35 minutes of play here. Monk had 13 points as well. He played about 25 minutes. He is that glue and engine for that second unit, and I thought Malik was good today. He made all of his free throws as well, 5 for 5 which I always say the Kings need to get better on free throw shooting, and it looks like those guys have been practicing their free throws because 
yo, you need to make your free throws. Trey Lyles was good off the bench for them as well. Finishes off with 10 points in about 16 minutes of action. 50% from the field and 40% from the three-point line here. I also feel like Sasha added some some shooting for them. He finishes off with eight points. He went 66.7% from three and 75% from the field. So pretty good game there. The Kings need to continue. What's up for them moving forward is they have a seven-game road trip moving forward. They're starting off in San Francisco tomorrow against the struggling Warriors. Then they get the Mavs, Grizzlies, Heat, Pacers, Chicago, Cleveland, and and come back on February 7th and take on the Detroit Pistons. So that should be an interesting one. Let's move over to the Hawks box score here. I was looking forward to watching DeJounte Murray, and boy, did it ball out in this one. 35 points, 47.8% from the field. 60% 60% from three, seven out of eight from the free throw line. He was the best player for the Hawks, and he was looking to be aggressive. The ball was in his hand quite a lot. Trey Young did not play in this game, which is also why I think they're also looking to get rid of DJ is Trey Young and DeJounte Murray both need the ball in their hand. They're two ball-dominant guards, and I just don't think it's working out, and I think that's why they're parting ways with him. Oh, at least one in the part ways. Bogdanovich, 18 points. Very good player. I love watching him play. He did play for the Kings, so I did watch a lot of him. I love him. He's good. He had a really good moment with uh, Peja and the owner, Ronda Vive, before the game. Clint Capella, 11 points. Jalen Johnson, who I was kind of disappointed in this game. He played almost about 40 minutes, and he only had 11 points. He really struggled to shoot the three. He was only 14.3% from the three. That's not really 100% his game, but I understand. Uh, But he also did not shoot the ball very well from the field. He went four for 18 as he struggled there. Sadiq Bey, 13 points. And Garrison Matthews hit hit a couple threes, three of them to be in fact. He finishes off with nine points. So the Hawks really missed Trey Young who has been in trade talks in the offseason here. It looks like the Lakers are interested in him and or Donovan Mitchell. So let's continue to monitor what happens in the offseason. But they really missed Trey Young as he was in concussion protocols. DJ continues to be in trade talks. He's in San Francisco right now. They play the Warriors tonight. And it just looks like it's nearing its end. So let's just see how this one goes here. What they're asking for DeJounte Murray right now, the Hawks, they're looking for a first-round pick, another first-round pick, and a starting-level player. So he's going to be expensive, like I said in my last podcast here. So we'll have to see who ends up getting him. Will it be the Lakers? Will it be somebody else? Not 100% sure. So let's switch gears now and cover the last part of the podcast today which is my favorite NBA moments and my very first NBA game that I ever went to. All right, so favorite NBA moments. There have been so many, but I'll just list out just a couple of them. Buzzer beater wins. The one that stands out is Metu hitting a game winner against Dallas a couple years ago here at the Golden One Center. I believe that was 2022. Look that one up. That was a pretty damn 
good game to go to, and I'm so glad I went to it. What are the moments? We had T.O. at one of the games at Arco Arena, and I ended up seeing him outside before he took off in his car when they played at Arco Arena, the Kings did, during that time. I also do remember seeing Wheezy at one of the games. This was a pretty good moment for me. He was my favorite rapper at the time. He played the night before and the night after the Hornets, the New Orleans Hornets at the time, played the day after he performed. And I took pictures of CP, Peja Soyakovic, David West, Tyson Chandler, James Posey. Those are some of the guys that were a part of that team and was coached by Byron Scott, the Lakers legend. Those are some of the moments that kind of definitely stand out right off the top of my head. I might have some more later down the line as well. But the most exciting moment, it has to be watching Hall of Fame guard Allen Iverson up close front row. I don't know how I ended up doing this, but I ended up getting in the very front and somebody was just gracious enough to let me sit courtside which I should probably watch some YouTube videos, see if I can see myself. But I found my way on the wood, and that was just amazing. At that time, they had C-Web, Iggy. I think this was around 2006. So 2006, I believe that was the year, if I'm having that correctly. And it was just a great time. Another good moment that I had is mom and dad, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I got game-worn wristbands from Tracy McGrady and then also Zebo. That's Zach Randolph during the time that he was with the Blazers and Houston Rockets for Tracy McGrady. I remember I must have been around the 7th or the 8th grade, but I went back to school so happy showing everybody what I got because I used to be one of those kids that were asking for players and their armbands or jerseys after the game. I also do remember seeing Kobe for the very first time. I did sit pretty high up, but I was at the game and those were some pretty damn good moments. I was watching my favorite basketball player of all time, Kobe Bryant, during that time. I forget what year that was. That must have probably been maybe 2007, 2008 maybe, if I have that correctly. Or maybe it was a little bit later, maybe around 2013. Actually, that's about accurate. I think that was around then. So amazing time at the Kings games. I've had so many great memories, and those are just some of the ones that stick out. But the biggest one for me was just taking a look at CP up close and some of the Hornets players, like, damn, I'm, I'm standing right by these guys. That's, that's crazy. So that's my story on that. Let's switch gears now to my first NBA game. First NBA game. All right. So I think the very first game I went to was in 2005 when the San Antonio Spurs came into town. And I can just remember being in such an awe of seeing these players at that time backflash I had never gone to any games I was watching everything on TV and I was there at the game and I just couldn't believe it I was in awe I was just so amazed to be seeing some of the best players 
in the whole entire world right in front of me there. And it was an amazing time. I think I went alone too, so I rode solo. And some of the players doing that team, I have a graphic up here, but Brett Berry, Bruce Bowen, Devin Brown, Timmy Duncan, Manuel Ginobili, Robert Horry, Big Shot Rob, some other players, Sean Marks, Nazir Muhammad, the big man, and the big guy, Rasho Nestrovich. Uh, I don't know why I like saying that so much, but Glenn Robinson, rest in peace as well. Malik Rose, who Jack said that they should definitely retire his number. So I'll let you guys debate all that. Ben Udrich. But this team actually went to the finals and actually won. So there were NBA champions that year. I think this was all five, if I have it correctly. But yes, that was my very first game was the San Antonio Spurs against the Sacramento Kings. And I would never forget that game. I have all the little books that they used to give you the physical versions when you went to the games. Everything is digital now, but I have those mementos for the rest of my life. All right, folks, on that note, I appreciate you guys listening. Thank you for listening. I really do appreciate your time. You guys could be listening or doing anything else. So thank you. Make sure to subscribe and follow me on Instagram, Shot clock scribbles. Thanks again and catch you on the next one.